Good morning. Psalm 138 says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Do you have a Bible with you this morning? If you do, I just want you to grab it real quick, will you? If you use your phone, that's okay. Just hold your phone for a second. I just want you to, I don't want you to turn anywhere. I just want you to hold it for a minute. I want you just to feel the weight of it. And I'm not talking about the pound or a few ounces of your phone. I'm talking about the gravity of what this book is. Can we just for a minute realize what we have in this book? That's why I wanted to show you this clip from the Museum of the Bible. Just a little, a little tiny piece of how significant this is. Throughout history, this is a miracle. The fact that we can hold this and it can affect and change our lives in the world, this is a miracle. Do we treat it as such? I'll be the first one this morning uh, to admit to you, to confess to you, that uh, my familiarity with this book and the fact that I have 20 of these between my office and, and many in my home, that I cause, it causes me to, to, to lessen the significance of this. But <laughs> this is a miracle. This book is a definitive, perfect, inspired, inerrant, and revealed word of God. This is God's story. This is God's story. This is his covenant to Israel. In the Old Testament. This is the covenant to us in the New Testament, right? This is a prophecy of a Savior and the fulfillment of that prophecy in a baby born in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. This is how to live in the letters, and it's the expectation of a coming king, coming Savior. To make all things new in Revelation. This book is, it's a miracle. The, the significance of this book cannot be understated. Do we truly understand its significance? You know, this showed a clip of a lot of the presidents and, and some of American history. And there have been many presidents that have valued and loved the word of God. Many of them have quoted the value of the word of God. Uh, Jackson, Lincoln, Grant, Harrison, Wilson, Coolidge, Roosevelt. Truman, Ray, I mean, you could go on and on and on of the presidents that have valued the word of God. But our very first president, George Washington, said, it is impossible to govern the world without God and the Bible. It's true. John Quincy Adams said this. He said, the first and the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. And he encourages us, search the scriptures. First point I want us to make this morning is, as disciples of Jesus... As disciples of Jesus, we have to value the word of God. Above any other instruction, above any other opinion, right? We have to value the word of God. It is God's revealed word to us. Do you remember a, few, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Jesus who went on a fast. The Holy Spirit led him into a fast in the desert. He goes into the desert, he begins to fast, and the enemy, we remember the story, the enemy comes to him and says, hey, if you are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. Now listen, after you've been fasting for 40 days, 
in our flesh, we think, what, what do we think maybe Jesus needed most of all? Food, right? And that's what the enemy does. He, he makes us think about our flesh and think through our flesh. He says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus did what? He said, you know what? It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we also talked about the verse where Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Huh? Filled. They will be satisfied. The word of God is the only thing that can satisfy our lives. And we don't live by fleshly things alone like bread or meals. We live by the word of God. That's the only thing that can satisfy our lives. Author Mark Driscoll um, wrote a book called Doctrine. He speaks about this revelation, this revealed word of God. He says, revelation is all about getting to know God. Our relationship with God begins as he reveals information about himself. As we receive it and believe it, which is an act of faith, we begin to experience life together with God. Then there is commitment and transformation as faith grows as the result of revelation. God continues to reveal himself today, and the primary way he reveals himself is through the divinely inspired, inerrant, and authoritative Bible. The Bible is uniquely and solely God's completely trustworthy revelation to us today. Scripture is the court of highest authority for Christians and their leaders by which any alleged revelation from God is to be tested. That's it. The uh, author of the guy we've taken a lot of the structure of this series that we're in called Life uh, is from the book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Uh, its author, Dallas Willard, says this, We engage ourselves above all things with the written and spoken word of God. We should involve our life around the written and spoken word of God above everything else in our lives. It is of utmost importance. We have to trust the word of God. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have, but there's a lot of people today that say this is not trustworthy. I'll take maybe just a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but I can't trust the whole thing. Jesus was a good person, but was he really God? Did he mean everything that we said? And then people take things out of context, and then they read stories about multiple wives or all these different crazy things, and they say, see there, is that God condoning those things? And no, no, no. The word of God is both prescriptive and descriptive, meaning that God sometimes in Scripture describes what has happened. He's just describing it in the story. And other times he's prescribing what he wants for us to do and how to live. It's both prescriptive and descriptive. But a lot of people are, are lowering the significance and the value of this book. I've got friends on Facebook that I've either been in church with or been friends with for a long time. They... <laughs> They're trying to change this to fit it, to make it what they want it to be. Do you, do you know people like that? Have you seen that? Listen, I, I noticed on Twitter the other day, this, this guy tweeted a thing, and, and I thought it was brilliant. I thought I would tell it to you. He said, saying you're a new kind of Christian with a new kind of Christianity is basically saying you're an old kind of heretic. I love that. Saying you're a new kind of Christian, I got this figured out. You know, every generation thinks they're better than the last, don't they? <laughs> we think we're smarter, we've got it figured out, and we're going to figure something new out 
that for 2,000 years has been the truth and understood applied word of God. But a new kind of Christian with a new kind of Christianity is just an old kind of heretic, and I completely agree. Listen, when we study the word of God, which is our topic today, we've been in this series called Life, we've been talking about the disciplines of what it means to live a life in Christ, and we do this so that we can have an abundant life, right? We want to have the life that Jesus intended for us to have. In order to have that life, we need to know him. In order to know him, we need disciplines in our lives that help us know him more, right? We need those things in our lives. Today, the discipline we're talking about is the study of the word of God. This book should establish for us a worldview. You know what a worldview is? A Christian worldview is to say, everything in my life, Everything I believe, how I treat my neighbors, how I treat my kids, how I treat my wife, how I spend my money, the things I let my eyes see, the things that come out of my mouth, the things that I do where I walk, who I am, how I vote, every single thing about everything that we are ought to be affected by whether we believe this to be true and trustworthy or not, right? This is trustworthy. It should create for us a worldview. But see, the word worldview is like a macro level. It's a 30,000-foot view. But you know what also it does? We should also treat it like it gives us daily inspiration, like it gives us daily news and word for today because it does. That's the miracle of this beautiful, revealed word of God. It can be our worldview and yet part of our daily walk. Paul tells his student, Timothy, why we must value the word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with these sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, which is just criticism, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. I want to read that verse again, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof or criticism, for correction and for training in righteousness that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is all we need. If you're a disciple, if you're a learner in Jesus, this is all we need to know more of him and to follow him and to be trained in such a way that we represent him with our lives. Peter also encourages us to value this word. Second Peter verse 1, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love that. It kind of matches our, our theme for this series, you know. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who, who called us to his glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of this divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He's saying everything you need to live this life, everything you need to walk out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is in this book. But how many of us just put this book on the shelf and it just is too familiar to us and we forget the miracle that it is? Driscoll in his book, he wrote uh, several different descriptions and gives uh, scriptural 
addresses for each of these. I just want to go down this list quickly because I love how specific this shows what the words of God are. Listen, it says the word of God is given by God's inspiration. That it's the very words of God, 1 Thessalonians 2 says. It's all we need to know God, Luke 16 says. It is a perfect guide for life, Proverbs 6 says. It's pure, Psalm says. It's true, Psalm 119 says. It's trustworthy, Proverbs 30 says. It's perfect, Psalm 19 says. It's effective, Isaiah 55. It's powerful, Hebrews 4. It's not to be taken from or added to, Deuteronomy says. It's for everyone. It's for everyone, right? Romans 16 says. It is the standard by which all teaching is to be tested, Acts 17 says. It's to be obeyed, James 1 says. You know, I'm a songwriter, I'm an artist, and I enjoy things that have a little bit more of an artistic slant to them. I just kind of understand them differently or better. And uh, I love how many of the Psalms put what the Word of God is poetically or metaphorically. It says the Word of God in Psalm 19 is sweet like honey. It says in Psalm 119, it's a lamp to guide our lives. It says in Jeremiah 15, it's food for our soul It says in Jeremiah 23, it's a fire that purifies and a hammer that breaks us. It says in Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4 that it's a sword. It says in James 1, it's a seed for salvation within us. And 1 Peter, it says that it's milk that nourishes us. It's all we need. But listen, how many of us come to a church and we hear the word, we might even grab it off the shelf and and know where to turn and look at the word the preacher's preaching And we let that word go in one ear and out the other. I've done it so many times. I've done it so many times. But what God is calling us to do as disciples of Jesus is to go a little deeper. It's imperative that we digest the word of God. We need to digest it, take it in, understand it. Let it have its nourishment in our lives. I can remember when my little girls, I have two little girls, and uh, I remember when they were babies and they were on milk, you know, they're so little precious and sweet. And then everybody's ready. You were so excited for the solid food moment. You know what I'm talking about? You, you put on the bib and like the whole family's surrounded in a semicircle, like, how's this going to go? And we feed these kids the nastiest mess ever conceived. It is so disgusting. You're like, I won't, I would never eat this, but here you go. You know, we do that. Lima beans and squash and awful things that are pureed and it's awful. But then we, we put it on a spoon and then we do the, you know, we do that thing just to get them and the baby doesn't even know, what am I, what are you doing? Am I supposed to open my mouth? And so it's all over their face, you know what I mean? And I remember when my girls went from milk to solid foods, things begin to change, right? They, they begin to get healthier, their bodies begin to grow, they begin to rest better. It's the same thing for us as, as people of the, of the book, as Christians. When we go from, from just drinking milk, just grabbing the Bible and maybe looking at it here and there, and we go from that to taking it into our lives, digesting it, it becoming more to us, it, it, the meat of the Word of God, the solid food. When we begin to do that, we begin to get healthier spiritually. I believe we begin to rest in Him more. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. He said, but I, brothers, 
could not address you. He's speaking to the church at Corinth here. I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And you know what? Even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. Let me say something here this morning. If you're a Christian, if you take that, that title over your life, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and yet you're still just living off of milk and not solid foods, you're not a disciple of Jesus. You're an infant in Christ. There's a difference. See, a disciple means that you're a learner. You're growing. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of all that Jesus wants us to become. But if we just kind of try and exist on milk, the basic things, well, I know a few things about God, and that's good. I'll, when I get in trouble, I'll make a deal with God. Remember that conversation from last week? We can't just live on basic knowledge of Jesus and be his disciple. We have to go deeper. We have to digest it into our lives. All of us have habits, don't we? Every one of us have different things that we love. You might love sports. You guys probably love soccer. I'm just guessing. Crazy. Uh, many of you men might love football, you know. Ladies, you might love to shop. Some people might love crafts. Some people love golf. We all have different habits. And listen, habits and, and these things we place in our lives, they're not bad. They're not bad. But the thing is, is we have to choose wisely what habits we place in our lives. And Bible study and knowing Scripture is a habit that needs to be in our lives. Do you remember the, the movie, um, I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. You remember Indy? I love that movie. We have our own version of Indy over here, Brother Jerry. But I just I remember the movie when he's, he's there with the, the old guard. And it's a really powerful moment. The music is really building up here. And the old guard is who, you know, he's like a thousand years old or something. He looks over to Indy and he says, if you choose, choose what? Choose wisely. Because he's supposed to, he's supposed to take this chalice, the holy grail, he thinks maybe one of these many cups might be the holy grail. And he's got to pick one of these cups and drink from it. And if he drinks from it and doesn't die, then he's picked the right one because there's bodies littered around these cups, Right? And the guy says, you must choose. Choose wisely. And you know what? That's what we have to do. We have to look at the things in our lives, the habits, the things we, we put our time to, our efforts to, and we have to go, am I choosing wisely? Because in the same way, we can choose something that will give us death or we can choose something that will bring us life. This brings life. This brings life. Ho listen, hobbies... Habits, they're not necessarily bad things. The things that you love, or God may have given you those things, it's good. But don't place them above the things that matter most. Let's choose wisely the habits that we have in our lives. And a habit that we need to begin, if we're not, is the habit of, God, of God's word. Studying God's word and digesting it, taking it into our lives. James McDonald, he's a pastor in the Chicago area. He gave just a really uh, concise way to study scripture. So I put it on the back of your uh, bulletin this morning so you could take it with you. As you look at different scriptures, this might be a way for you to kind of uh, learn and think through what Bible study should be. I just want to go over this really quickly. First thing he says we're supposed to do is just read it. We just have to read scripture. And this is what I would encourage you to do. Listen, choose, choose a chapter in a book. Just do it one chapter a day, right? 
And listen, by the way, let me just encourage you. Don't choose Leviticus or something like that just yet, all right? Instead, maybe choose the book of John or the book of 1 John, okay? And I would even say this. Why don't we do this together? Why don't we just kind of read the book of John together? We'll read it a chapter a day. We can handle that, right? As we read it, there's some things that I want us to do. They, they follow here. We need to question it, not in a heretical way, kind of in a questioning ourselves sort of way. Look at these questions. When I read this chapter, is there an example for me to follow? Is somebody doing something in this verse or this chapter that I need to do? Or is somebody doing something in this chapter that I don't need to do and I need to not follow that example? Ask those questions. Is there a sin that the Holy Spirit has brought to my life and my heart that as I read this, the Holy Spirit's illuminating sin in my heart and my life and I need to ask the Lord to forgive me? I need to confess that sin. Is there a truth in this chapter that I need to understand better? And maybe, listen, that might raise some questions for you. Good. Questions are good. Questions are good because that means we're trying to understand. I'm, I'm okay with questions. I may not have the answer for you just yet, but I can help you find the answer, okay? So if you have a question and it's the truth you need to understand, that's a good thing. Or maybe there's a comfort for you to embrace in those precious and very great promises in the Word of God. Here's the next thing. we got to plan it, right? Discipleship is not going to just happen in our lives. we got to make a plan for it. Listen, can I just I'm keep confessing for you? I'm not good at this. I, I, am, I stink at this. So this message is for me, and you get a chance to overhear me talking to me, okay? That's the way this is going today. I'm not great at planning things and being disciplined in these ways. But we have to put these habits in our lives if we're going to grow deeper with Jesus. And you know what's cool is there's some things uh, even on your phone. If you have a smartphone, there's an app called YouVersion. And, you, and it's okay if you even want to look at it while I'm speaking this morning or anytime I'm preaching. You can look at YouVersion. It has over a thousand tools for Bible study and scripture translations. It has reading plans to help you read. It has devotionals that help lead you through a devotional of God's word. It's amazing. I highly encourage you to find the Bible app uh, and the YouVersion app. It'll be a blessing to you. And there's other things you can use too. Now listen, we want to read the Word of God because that's, that's what God has called us to do. We're going to grow as a result of that. But there's also supplements. I love My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. I love that book. Many of you read something like uh, um, Our Daily Bread or something like that. Those things are good, but they are supplements. Let them supplement your reading and understanding of the Word of God, okay? Here's the next thing, pray. As we do this Bible study, just kind of pray. I just put these things down here. Lord, open my heart. I think when we, when we begin to study the Word, I think it's good for us just to confess sin. Say, Lord, would you just forgive me of my sin, open my mind, open my heart to who you want me to be and what you want me to do. Would you help me do that? Lead me to truth. You, if you pray, Holy Spirit of God, that's what we know to be your job. You're going to lead us to all truth. Would you do that now as I read this Bible? Lead me to truth. Change my heart. And after you change my heart, would you help me to have the courage to obey, and to live out what you're changing in me? And then lastly, share it. I think when God does something in you, you learn something, there's a good chance there's somebody in your life that needs to hear that. And if nothing else, it's accountability. When you say, you know what I learned this morning in my new version app? or what God was speaking to me in my Bible study. If we're saying it without a haughty spirit, it can be a good accountability piece for our friends and our family, encouraging us, oh yeah, I need to, I need to read today. 
I need to get into the Word of God. Some of you are using, I noticed in some of our Sunday school classes, you're using a SOAP method, which is awesome. That's reading Scripture, that's observing what's in the Scripture, that's applying what's in the Scripture, and then praying about it. It's kind of the same sort of thing. Whatever you need to help you remember how to study the Word of God is a good thing. Here's the next point. We have to study the Word of God because we have to learn to defend our faith. This is very important. This is very important for me as, I, as the Lord has been growing me as a believer in Jesus. We have to learn to, to defend our faith, okay? And God has given us incredible tools to do that. This is the greatest tool we have. Ephesians 6, verse 16, says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The shield, the helmet, the sword. These are, these are all like defensive position uh, accoutrements, if you will. They're things that God is giving us to be able to use to defend our faith. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, again, I was talking about Jesus fasting. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but when the Lord showed me this, it changed my walk with Jesus. So Jesus is fasting. He's hungry. The enemy comes and says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus says what? It is written. Remember when he said that? For it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Was that just a cool idea that Jesus had? No. He even said so. He said, for it is written. It's written in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. It is the word of God. Jesus speaks back to the enemy. We don't, we don't see, at least in this story, any other conversation between Jesus and the enemy. All we see is Jesus speaking the word of God back to the enemy. That's it. What happens next, right? Well, the enemy leaves him alone, at least in that topic, and he takes him to a place where Jesus can see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, hey, you can have all these things. All you need to do is just bow down and worship me. Remember that? <laughs> and Jesus said, no, it's written. We're supposed to only worship the Lord our God. Deuteronomy 6, another scripture that Jesus is using as defense for his faith. And then he takes him to the top of the temple and says, why don't you throw yourself off of this temple and let the angels pick you up? You won't even strike your foot. If you are who you say you are. Just a little side note, Jesus already had all those things. Isn't that what the enemy does? He tries to confuse us and say, you need something else, when truly we already have all, everything we need. And Jesus again says, you know what? You know what? He tries to tell, he tells Jesus, you can have uh, all these kingdoms, and if you would just throw yourself off of here, the angels will pick you up, and Jesus says, for it is written, you don't test the Lord your God. Again, a passage from Deuteronomy. Listen, the thing I want you to see today is this. When you're a believer in Jesus, when you're a disciple of Jesus, you will have the enemy attack you. It's not a matter of, uh, of if, it's a matter of when. So we need to be prepared. Listen, what do you struggle with? Every one of us in this room right now struggles with something. Some of you are struggling with pornography. Some of you are struggling with alcoholism or medication. You're taking too much medication. Maybe you're struggling with your faith and your health. Or you're struggling with your finances. Or you're struggling with your marriage. Or you're struggling with 
your self-confidence, who God's made you to be, or what your future's going to be. There could be a million things you're struggling with today. And listen, every one of us is struggling. Everyone is struggling with something. This addresses all of those things. This is what I would encourage you to do. Take the word of God. If you need help finding passages that deal with your specific struggle, I'll help you. I'd love to. There are passages in this book that, will, that you can memorize. Me, this is the discipline. Memorize these passages so that you can have a defense against the enemy. We sang a song, or Daryl just put it up on the board uh, just a minute ago. Psalm 119. I will hide your word in my heart so that I might not what? Sin against God. I heard a pastor this week as I was listening to different guys. He said, it's hard for me to sin. He said, I've been memorizing so much scripture all my life. As soon as I begin to stick my foot into sin in some way, I have 17 verses come up into my soul that says, it's not worth it. We can trust the word of God. If we will hide his word in our hearts, it'll be a defense against sin. I promise you, it's, it's been life-changing and relationship-giving to me in my walk with Jesus. Here's the next thing I want us to do. When you become a disciple in Jesus and you begin to see him work in your life, you're digesting his word, you're defending your faith through his word and how you've memorized his word, all of a sudden it becomes sweet. All of a sudden his word becomes sweet to you. Spending time with him becomes sweet to you. We need to delight in the study of God's word. Learn to delight in the study of God's word. Psalm 1 says this. Some translations say, happy is the man, right, who doesn't sit in the counsel of the wicked. Some versions say blessed. A little further down it says, for his delight is in the law of the Lord. Remember that? I love this one from Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Or Psalm 19, so good, Psalm 19, verse 7 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them, There is great reward. God has so much for us in his word. I want to just look at that one psalm just for a second. Just in one place. This this scripture could have been our main verse, our main scripture we use for the whole morning. But I want us just to look at this for a second. It says God's word doesn't make us a little bit better. It says it revives us. It takes us from death to life. It revives us. Kind of like the pedals. You know what I mean? That's what God's word does. It revives us. The next thing it does, it gives us wisdom. Listen, if, if you know me, I know my parents can vouch for this. But if, if you've known me for very long, there's no question that I'm not the same person. That this book and living by this book has given me wisdom. Not in just things of God. Not in just a, a life as a Christian because I'm a pastor. Just in life in general, I have more wisdom now because that's what this book does. It gives you wisdom, even to the simple. Even to the simple, it gives wisdom. Listen, have you been discouraged? Have you been depressed? 
Because studying the word of God encourages your heart. That's what that verse says. It encourages your hearts. Study the word of God, it'll give you joy. And you can delight in him. Listen, it says it brings light to the eyes. It enlightens the eyes. You know what that means? Studying the word of God dispels the darkness. And it helps you see things differently. It helps you see things completely differently. Some of you might have had a struggle with pornography, sexual addiction. And what that does is it demeans women or men in some way that we take away the imago day of God. You see, we are all created in his image, weren't we? And when we begin to see people just as things and parts and things that can do stuff for us, we take away the image of God. And what this does is when we study the word of God, it enlightens our eyes and we say, wait, that's a child of God. That's a person of God. That's a, that's a daughter. That's a son. It dispels darkness. It helps us fear the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is clean or pure, your translation may say, enduring forever. Listen, when we study this, we just get an understanding that we serve a holy God. He's so holy, and it helps us to fear, to realize he and he alone are worthy of our worship. He and he alone are worthy of our lives. We begin to fear the Lord, and lastly, it brings justice. I don't know about you, but I, I hate injustice. I hate the idea that there are babies being aborted every single day. It breaks my heart. I hate that there's prejudice and racism that we would treat some person differently than we would treat another person because of the silliness of this color of their skin. I hate it. This righteous indignation wells up inside of me and I want to make it right or I want to fight. And the reality is this word says the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know what that means? It means that God will have justice. He will bring justice on the unjust. And then lastly, we can trust when we study the word of God, there's a reward to our lives. For believers out here who've done this, so you've been studying the word of God maybe for years or however long, I bet you could attest to the reward that God's word is in your life. I bet you could. You know that it's greater than riches. It's greater than fine gold. It's something that gives life, and you would never trade that for anything. Here's the last point this morning. We're going to be finished. As believers, we have to value the word of God. It's trustworthy. We have to digest it. We have to be able to defend it. We need to delight in it, and we need to just do this very simple thing. We need to do it. We just need to do what it says. I, I put this translation in the message because I like the way it reads. James 1, 23 through, uh, 22 through 25 says this. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away. And two minutes later, you have no idea who they are, they are uh, or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, that's the word of God. Whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. I love that. 
He's saying even if you just, if there's just even out of the corner of your eye, just a little tiny bit of trusting God's word and living by it and sticking with it, your life will be blessed. Imagine if we focused all of who we are on the truth of God's word and how we're to live by it, what he would do in us. But the question I have for you this morning, church, is this. Listen, friends, how many of us know what to do and we just don't do it? How many of us know what God has said? We just don't obey. All of us is the answer. All of us at times, but I'm charging us this morning to say this. Listen, he loves you. His mercy is great. His great is greater than anything you've done or any sin you've committed, any rule you've broken. He loves you. He's telling you today, obey. Just so you can be obedient, just so you can do something that the word says? No, because he wants you to have life. He wants you to have the deepest, most robust, enjoyable, blessed life that you can have. And you know the way you're going to have that? It's to obey, to do what he says. But see, (laughs) when we don't obey, it's like telling the world this is what we believe about God. We're saying, you know what, Um, I'm not going to obey. It's basically you're telling your family, you're telling your kids, oh, I, I know what you believe about God. You don't believe very much. You're saying to them, is his word really true? I mean, come on. You're saying to them, is he good? I mean, is God really good? Does he truly want to give us abundant life? Don't just hear the word. Don't make the mistake of, I don't know, how, a huge percentage of the church today around the world will just hear the word. It'll go in one ear and out the other and it won't change their lives. Don't make that mistake today. Obey it. Obey it. Before we can study the word, we have to value it. This is trustworthy. Do you value it? Pull it out. Let it change you. Digest it. Learn to defend your faith with it. Delight in it and do what it says. Listen, I just want to say this. One of the things that <laughs> this word says is that today is the day of salvation. That's what this word says. None of us have any clue whether we're going to be given another day of life, another breath, another heartbeat. For a moment during our worship, I was standing over here and I just, I just took in as much air as I could because we were singing, this air is yours. And I just wanted to just experience that air. So I just breathed it in and I breathed it out. And I thought, Lord, that breath was yours. And I'm, I could feel my heart beating. And I just remember thinking, Lord, every one of these beats is yours. For whatever reason, you've ordained for me to have that one, and that one, and that one. But you know what? None of us has promised the next one. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm talking to this whole room. Do you know him? Is your faith just a religious one that has to do with church services? Or do you have life abundantly in him because you can't have it any other way? You'll try and satisfy your life with everything else. Addictions and money. You'll try and satisfy your life with everything else. But those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the only ones who will be satisfied. They're the only ones who will be truly filled. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I just want to ask this question, and I, and I ask this in love, and I ask it simply because I want to pray for you. I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to make an example of you. I don't want to have you stand up. I don't want anybody to see what we're going to do right now. I just want to ask this question, and I want you to ask your own heart. Do I know Jesus as my Savior? Have I trusted him with my eternity and my life? If right now you would say, Pastor Drew, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if I've ever done that before. I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? All I want to do is just pray for you this week. That's it. So if right now, if you would say, I'm not sure if I know Jesus as my Savior, would you just raise your hand? You're just saying, hey, I just need you to pray for me. I'm not going to come get you or make you come up front. Nothing weird like that. I just want to pray for you. Anybody this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? You can just raise your hand and put it right back down. Thank you. I just don't know, Pastor Drew, but I, I know I need to know. This is a very serious thing. I need to know. Would you, would you pray for me so that I can know it? Anybody else? Raise your hand and put it right back down if that's you. Okay. Praise God. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability to say that today. Listen, maybe today you're saying, I've got 20 Bibles too, Pastor I got plenty of things, and you know what? I do know what to do, but I haven't been doing it. And I want that to change today. I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. I want it to change me and give me life. If you'd say that today and you just want me to pray for you as you're turning some things around, would you just raise your hand? Hey, that's me today. I just need to turn some things around. Thank you. I know there's some things in my life I need to change. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Hands are all over the room. Praise God for your honesty, your vulnerability. South City Church will not be a place where we say one thing and walk another. We want to be a people of authenticity, even in the most broken places of our lives, because Jesus heals broken places. And he'll heal the broken places in your life and in your heart. Listen, this is what we're going to do. Everybody look at me just for a moment. We're going to pray right now. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to be up here. Pastor Elvis is going to be up here. Pastor Jerry is going to be up here. The three of us will be here. If we can pray for any of those things that you raised your hands about today, that would be our honor. We would love to do that. If we can encourage you, give you some scripture. We would love to do that. If you want to just come to this altar area and just be honest with God and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to talk to you. That's fine. Or maybe right where you are, you want to do, have some conversations with God. Would you do that? Just for a few moments. Listen, in just a few moments, you're going to go back to your life. You're going to go back to lunch. You're going to go back to the family and the craziness of your home. But for a few moments, can we turn all of our attention? to the one and only true God. He deserves our worship. Let's give him this moment, can we? And let him do the work that only he can do in our hearts and in our lives. Would you stand and let's sing.